My mother grew up in the little town of Adrian, which is just the other side of Swainsboro. Uh, she recounted many blessings in her days from the time that she spent there. We have an old family photo that has them at the old home place. Um, it was an L-shaped home. It looked ancient, and even then, it looked like it was old, not just in the photo, but even then. The family was gathered out front. There was one man that was centrally located in the middle of the clan, and he was Grandpa Chess Flanders, who was renowned, at least within our family, to have been a lay preacher. They tell the story that even on his deathbed, that people would gather outside the windows of the home in order to listen to him preach, which is a wonderful thought to think about, uh, his having preached up until his very last breath nearly. But this picture is fascinating because of two things particularly to me. Uh, one is that my mother is in the picture. She's a little girl that is sitting on the edge of the porch. I would guess that she may be four years old. I imagine she was swinging her legs as the picture was being made. And then her mother, the grandmother on my mother's side that we called Ma Ki, is standing there in the yard with the rest of the family. And over her arm, is draped a flag. Now, it is not an American flag, but it is a service flag of some sort. And my mother would tell us when we would see this picture, now, my daddy, my your granddaddy, was not in this picture because he was shipped off to World War I. Now, this is interesting because the the timeline doesn't quite match up, but when I tell you this part of the story, you'll begin to understand, perhaps. This picture, as best I can tell, was made in 1930, maybe 1931, which would have been 12 years after World War I ended. But my grandfather was shipped, literally shipped, across the Atlantic during the latter days of World War I and became deathly ill somewhere in the mix of that three to four week journey. I don't know what he picked up, but it was not good. And so when he arrived on site, they immediately sit, sent him to a hospital where he spent a number of days and they thought he was going to die. Finally, they decided this man is not capable of doing anything here. We will ship him back to the United States. And that they did. And he, I believe, had a long convalescent time, probably in Swainsboro, the larger city of the two, of course. And then finally was able to come back to Adrian. I never knew my grandfather he died before I was born, but the things that I know of him are quite significant because he had inherited strong faith through his family, and he loved the Lord, 
and knew that God would take care of him and his as well. He did not have a way to earn money. And I imagine began to think, how am I going to take care of my wife and my children? And it came to him that there on the corner in Adrian was a little shop that he could make into a restaurant. And so he occupied that space and he made hamburgers for years and years and years. You could pick one up for a nickel. When Highway 80 was being paved, of course, there were loads of persons that were there for days on end that were working as Highway 80 began to take its form that we know it to have today. And all of that time, as those work crews were passing through Adrian, he would sell them hamburgers. Of course, you know, these projects must have swelled the coffers for him, if coffers he had. And yet, when their work was done, it began to dry up. My mother says that she remembers walking with her mother, Maquis, over to the school during the day where they would set up a little burger, a burger kiosk, I guess it would be. And the children that were at school who had not brought with them biscuits or whatever for lunch that were able would come over and also buy for a nickel a hamburger to have for lunch. They were able to make ends meet. They didn't have much ever to their name. In fact, I imagine that the most expensive thing that, they, that my grandfather ever owned was a cow that they kept in the backyard. He never had a car. He never owned a car. My mother graduated from college and because of her work purchased a car. And as she began to think the thing through that she had done, realized that she didn't need a car as much as she needed to give that car to her mother and daddy who had helped her to get through school. And so she did give it. They didn't know what to do with it and never drove it. In fact, my grandfather only lived a few months after the car was a gift to him. And he died. Had he lived in our day and age, I'm sure he would have had several bypasses and had still been surviving. But he died. And my grandmother had no interest in learning at her age how to drive a car. And so it ended up back with my mother. I've thought to myself a number of times, how my, fa my grandfather must have, on occasion, worried about how ends were going to meet. But I know, too, by way of the stories I have heard of him, that even in his simple life, he believed that God would care for he and his family. I suspect that this passage of Scripture was one that he turned to often. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food 
and the body more than clothing. Jesus gathered with people by the thousands. And here in what we call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was looking out and truly seeing all the people that were there. There probably were a few persons that were well-to-do in the mix, not a large group. There were some religious elite that had come out having heard about Jesus, and they were curious to get the latest story. And even though they weren't at the higher echelons of society when it came to resources, they would have been some above those that were gathering before Jesus. The artisans that were there certainly occupied a large part of the crowd. And then there were a lot of persons that had very little. We know this because Jesus, at least on two occasions, as it's told in the scripture, fed large groups who did not have the resources to feed themselves. 5,000 and then 4,000, as it is reported in Scripture. A large number of people that Jesus cared for. Jesus spoke to them from his heart, understanding their plight, and also understanding how it can be an injury to us whether we have money or whether we do not, how we think about money. The verse that precedes the passage of Scripture that was read this morning is in the 24th verse of this chapter 6. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. The people there might have been astounded to hear Jesus say this publicly. Those who were religious elites that had gathered to hear Jesus might not have put themselves into the wealthy category. But I can tell you that at least half of those that were there before Jesus had put them into the haves category. And they would have seen what they saw every day, and that is that you have to make a choice as to what is going to be your God. This is an interesting thing because it really is a matter of our taking to heart that we can become spiritual schizophrenics. You and I can have a mind to try to go in two different directions, even though that's really not possible. You and I can have a mind to try to serve two masters. Our agenda is acquisition. When Jesus sees it as allowing competing ideas, one, the God who will provide, and then money, who will ultimately fail us. You and I live within a culture that seeks to also set up hierarchical systems that generate worry. We have 
not what we would call political oppressors in our midst, but have you listened to any of them lately? Or even to the religious pundits that might give us calls for concern. You and I live in a culture that some have said is afflicted with affluenza. Some have said, no, surely it is an affliction of credititis. We will put anything on a card, it seems. I would suggest to you that it is a broken culture. At least it is founded upon brokenness. The brokenness of envy. The brokenness of greed. The brokenness of gluttony. Always wanting more. Gluttony is not just about food as far as the seven deadly sins are concerned. It is about whatever we would consume without thought for anything else. Isn't it right that Jesus then would speak to his disciples later and say, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But we get confused and even suspicious of what Jesus may be planning. Because we have a heart that thinks in terms of scarcity and the unavailability of resources that God might have at his disposal to care for us individually and certainly corporately as his people. I watch television. I was watching television last night, were you? Did y'all see that game? Goodness gracious. <laughs> I watch television and I see a lot of commercials. In fact, they say that in order to fund whatever program you are watching, it takes at least 22 minutes of the hour in order to sell things to us, to help us to buy in to something that is better, something that is newer. I don't even own a pickup truck, but I have tailgate envy. <laughs> have you seen that truck? where the tailgate folds down and becomes this staircase up into the back of the truck. I want one of those. <laughs> I heard it suggested that we must learn to talk back to our television sets. And especially this is important for parents to do in order that their children might hear them calling out those who would distract us towards something that we think we must have. Oh, this is good instruction. Have you ever tried talking back to your commercials before? Look through to the heart of what they are at and call them out. And it will put you in a different place mentally and
and spiritually. Enough is what I want. In a world of discontentment, I want contentment. In fact, I want what my grandfather had. A cow in the backyard? No, not necessarily. But I want his idea of abundance. I want an economy of money that pushes against the culture in which I live. That is always saying there's never enough, never enough, not quite enough. Can't you make more? Can't you do more? Can't you produce more? When money is God for us, we seek to accumulate. But Jesus' economy is love. Jesus' economy is love. And there is always enough love to share. In 1983, the most precious daughter that has ever been born on the face of our planet came to live at our house. Her name was Margaret. And I know some of you may take issue and say, oh no, there's another child that I would put up next to Margaret. But for us, she was the center of our world. And we loved her so deeply. I remember the occasion in our going after finding that Sue was expecting again. We went to the doctor's office and they did a sonogram. And the nurse turned to me and she said, there are two here. She said, are you going to faint? I said, no, I'm surprised, but I am not going to faint. She said, we've had them fall out right here on the floor. I thought to myself, how can we divide love so that it will be enough for Sarah and Rachel not to feel slighted and for Margaret not to feel slighted? Lo and behold, this type of family is not about division, it is about multiplication. And there has been love enough to share. Have you discovered this as well? That God's economy is so different than our own. The realm of abundance, the realm of generosity, the realm of new life that Jesus requires of us, he also blesses us for entire fulfillment. I had a banker in a former church who was a part of our finance committee and when we would occasionally get into a tight with funds, which is always the case in every church I have ever been a part of, this banker would sit there and with thought, he would say, it's only money. I'd never heard that before. <laughs> and I thought, this is the best statement that has ever been uttered in a finance committee. For it puts money in its place. And it elevates Christ to his. Jesus' beautiful images 
of birds and lilies fill my heart. I love to gaze upon blooms. Do you? We have a hibiscus bush that we cradled through last winter. Did not clip it back. We put it in the yard. Sue said, go cover it up every time it got a little bit cold. But it made it through. And on any given day now and throughout the summer, you could go and see 20 or 30 blooms on it. It's still blooming now, even as I speak. What a gorgeous thing it is. And all of the other things that are blooming for the precious soul that scattered cosmos seed along the interstate. God bless them. I love to see things bloom. And I've never seen a flower that particularly looked worried. Have you? God provided for it. And birds, oh, don't we love to feed birds. It's hard for us to walk past the bird feeders in Walmart and Lowe's. We put a bird feeder out front. It was a specialty. It was squirrel proof. <laughs> Sue and I have a problem with squirrels. And we want to feed the birds. We've gotten a little looser in our years and we don't mind the squirrels showing up to eat too but do we love birds we do have i ever seen a bird worry occasionally they will worry each other i don't like that when i see it happening but what can you do but have i ever seen a bird that worried even when the bird feeder was empty they find a way and there are no creases in their forehead because they know that there is a provider. Your heavenly father knows, Jesus says. And perhaps the most important verse of all, Jesus says, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. And so I ask you, are you striving in this way? Do you think that my grandfather died poor? I've asked myself that question before. He left nothing, not a nickel of all of those hamburgers that he sold. Because he had used it all up by the end of his life. Do I think that he was poor? He was one of the wealthiest men ever to live in Adrian, Georgia. <laughs> he had enough to share. Always enough to share. How is it with you? These words are a great way to live. If you'll take them in. May God bless us to be his abundant people.